there, Home for All podcast listeners. How weird is it that we're back again so soon with another bonus episode? I'm ACARS Communications Director, Kelly Moss, and we're here today to document the end of an era. That's right, it's the end of an era. Today is going to be so terribly bittersweet, most especially for me, as we say good luck to our ACAR CEO, Sandy Narragon. Sandy has been working in the industry for 40 years, and today is her last day at the association. We would have been remiss if we hadn't taken some time to talk to her about her adventures here at ACAR and what lies ahead as she retires and moves into a new phase of life away from this office. So like we always say, grab your coffee and your earbuds, and this time maybe even a tissue box, and make this spot your home for the next 30 or so minutes. We're happy that you're here. Our Home for All podcast is a bi-weekly production where we will host interviews, facilitate conversations, and talk about what's happening in the world of real estate. We'll introduce you to the important people in your community and help you learn how to grow your real estate-related business. This is an adult show and some adult language might occasionally creep into the conversation. So let's move forward and find out what makes Northeast Ohio the best home for all. Well, hi, Sandy. Thanks for joining us here today on the Home for All podcast. This will be your last official duty as uh, CEO here at Akron Cleveland Realtors. So I really appreciate you taking time to sit with me and, and talk to me a little bit about your career. You are so welcome. So remind everybody how you got started in your career of service here with re- within the real estate industry. I know this is like <laughs> only your the second job of your whole life, right? Officially first, but officially first. A temp first before that. But um, so I was hired by then Akron Area Board of Realtors, and I was hired the first year that continuing education was a requirement. Ah. So I was I was hired in August and I sort of shepherded <laughs> thousands of realtors through their very first deadline, wow. CE deadline. It was intense. <laughs> I can't imagine being part of the association where CE was not a thing. Well, that's and it, crazy. Yeah, it was kind of a you know a big deal because it, of course, was going to mean that for the first time ever, realtors were going to have to do something extra after having been licensed all that time. Right. They were going to have to make a concerted effort to maintain their license. So it was kind of controversial. It resulted in um, a lot of licensees sending their license back, wow. deciding this is not for me. Really, I'm not doing this. Wow. Yeah. I can't again, I can't imagine what that would be like to, you know, have that happen to have somebody just say, you know what? No, I'm not doing this for my career because I got to do CE now. So many other occupations require it now that I'm, you know, I think maybe it sounds to me like real estate was one of the first ones to get on that board. You know, I know teachers have to do continuing ed and all of that. Yeah, we we always looked to the legal field, you know, CLE was something that some of our members were used to. Um, but I think what it did was maybe do a little housekeeping. So people who were in real estate as a hobby, um, folks who maybe were debating retirement, that made their decision for them. Sure, sure. And that makes good sense, I guess, too. It was just, it, you know, are you in or are you out? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So, okay, so you have served 
served in every position as a staff person uh, over the course of your 40-year career. <laughs> so you started when you were five, right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> so I just wanted to make that make sure that we established that. Um, so besides being in the in the CEO position, which is where you're finishing your career, what position was your favorite or your most rewarding? So when I was you, <laughs> so when I was communication director, which I was, I'm going to guess I was in there about seven years as, as comm director. And I love the writing aspect of it. I especially loved writing speeches for some reason. Wow. Um, that's writing cool. conversationally. I really like that. Um, probably the, the most challenging part of being the communication director back then was we had a monthly 20 to 24 page newsletter. Oh, wow. And so I wrote it sold ads, created the ads, did the layout, like old school layouts, like paste, cut and paste. paste, (laughs) Um, But then the, the, the best part was I would physically drive down to a magazine uh, publisher in Canton. Okay. And would, it would always be on the weekend and we would go down and we, I would help them lay it out and they would get started uh, nice. printing it. So I love that part of it. It was just the, the urgency, the deadlines, you know, feeling important. I just, well, I loved that part. And it was all kind of all me. I mean, you know, as you know, you, it takes a lot of people to put a publication together, but then once you get all of that, then it really kind of lies on one or two people to kind of put it all together. So I loved that part of my job. Putting a newsletter together is a mammoth amount of work now. When you did it, it was incredibly more complex, um, having to do all of that. And again, you were selling ads too. So that meant, you know, chasing people down and getting an advertisement from them, trying to figure out how it was going to work and all of that. So yeah, that's a lot to do. And you still, but you thrive under that deadline. I loved it. I loved it. And I would usually spend the week, you know, chasing people down, getting their copy, making sure I had it all. And then I always did the newsletter on the weekend. I would go in on Saturday. I was all by myself, papers everywhere. And, you know, (laughs) and I knew I had to get it done because I knew that first thing Monday morning, I had to drive it you know, down to Canton. So you could have had a career in newspapers, you know, because that's how they used to do it, too. You know, all the, you know, you literally pencil and paper and drawing and here, this is what's going to fit here. And that's what's going to go there. You could have done that, too. See, I could have in a different life. Right. (laughs) So. So what has been the most rewarding part of your career aside from the job itself? Probably the advocacy side of what we do. That's when you drive home and you think, I made a difference today. We made a difference today. And whether it's going to Columbus or going to DC or meeting here in one of, you know, one of our, our county governments, just knowing that you help make life better for buyers and sellers and homeowners and property owners and our realtors themselves to be able to, to earn a great living in this industry. So that's the part that makes you go, this is why we do this. This is why we work for an association. It fills your heart. Right. Which is a good thing. Absolutely. That's a very good thing. So what has been your biggest challenge then throughout this 40-year arc of career? It's kind of the opposite of what (laughs) what my favorite part's been. And it's the realization that a majority of our members don't really understand what we really do for them. So not only that advocacy that we just talked about, but, you know, helping them 
be able to earn a living in this industry and earn a good living at it. And, you know, the private property rights side of it, it just many of our members um, get it and they're there with us, their boots on the ground with yep. us when we go advocate with legislators. But it's those out there that don't really get what we do. And um we don't often have a chance to meet one-on-one -on -one with them. You know, we do represent nearly, what, 7,000 people almost right. now. And so we don't always have the opportunity to really have a great conversation with them and show them. I think when when the governor deemed real estate essential during the pandemic, that reached more people than we could ever reach one-on-one -on -one or, or even as the association. That was real-life example yeah. of what advocacy and, and legislative efforts do for them. So, but yeah. that, that's a challenge because I know that if not for real estate associations and not for the realtor organization, that life would look very, very different. Oh yeah, absolutely. It would. And, you know, I don't think, I think like what you said, that, that, you know, people don't necessarily know specifics of, of what the board does until you have something that's, that's that catastrophic and that major, you know, are they going to work or are they not going to work? Yeah. Well, guess what? Yeah. You know. Well, and two different times in, in my life as CEO, once as Akron CEO and once after we merged, I was able to be part of a small group that met with, first it was Chris Burdick and I, she was president of, of ABOR back then. We met with some Serbian, former Serbia uh, mm -hmm. real estate professionals who wanted to try and understand what real estate was like in the United States. And they gave us such an education about what it was like there. Right. And that was when the real aha moment about what advocacy does sure. and what how great Americans have, American real estate professionals have it. And then the second time was after we became ACAR. And I think it was Mike and I and Seth sat down with some Russian real estate agents. Mm -hmm. And again, it was just trying to explain and, and just have a sharing of information about how real estate is in the United States versus where they're from. And so just really eye-opening. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I imagine that's a whole new, you know, perspective on the, the industry itself in general. And you sit and you think, wow, if this was going on here, you know, what's going on there was going on here, you know, how would, how would our people handle it? I right. don't, you know, you don't know. So we have to be grateful for what we have. Um, so how has association management, specifically ACAR, shifted and changed over this last 40 years? Has, um, you know, association management is, is different across different industries, but Pertaining to real estate, how has association management changed over this 40 years for you? Well, one that's not specific to us, but I, I have to mention it, is just, the, and we've talked about this before, the the 24-7, 365 aspect of our jobs. And we really, you know, we really weren't on like we are now back right. then. I mean, we truly were able to separate business from personal life. And so that is something that all, not just our real estate member, real estate professionals, but the staff deal with too, yes. because we are accessible. So, you know, that's probably the most obvious, but I would say comparing the association I was hired <laughs> sure. to serve to now is 
and and nothing against the association then. This is how it was. But I would say we're so much more of a business organization now than we were. There was a lot of social club aspects mm-hmm. still sure. then. That was the early 80s. Um, and so volunteer efforts were as strong as are as strong now as they were then. But our efforts are just so much more business oriented. And from a staff perspective, I see that especially an association our size, we have to have specialized experts. Our staff, you know, you we have a communications director now who ha- you're a communication expert. We have Jamie, who's a government affairs expert who now has a new right. person with her. And so, you know, the specialization that is required to truly serve our members in today's world as a business organization, sure, that's sure. that's yeah. the probably the biggest thing. Wow. Biggest thing I've noticed is change. So with everything that we, you know, we've talked about so far, if, you know, you, you can just tell by listening to you, and I'm sure our listeners are, are hearing it in your voice as well, that you have such a passion for what you do and love it so much. But if you could have a career do-over, <laughs> what would you change? It's really hard to think of not doing this. I, I, I don't, I'm getting... Emotional. I can't imagine not doing this. Oh, see, that's so cool. I, I, I can't. I guess everyone has like that dream job, you know, I and it, that's not really a do over because that would mean all of this would go away. Yeah. But, you know, I mentioned earlier the writing side of what I do. I sure. love so I guess, you know, if I had a little magic wand and I could be anything I ever wanted, I would want to be a writer. Right. Um, and back then you mentioned, oh, you could have worked for a new- I wanted to be, I thought I'm going to go work for a newspaper or a magazine. Right, right. And, and that way you're writing a whole lot of different topics. And I loved researching back then. If they needed an article written way before I was communication director, I would always volunteer. So sure. some sort of writer. Um, if we're really in fantasy land, then I'm a best-selling author. Oh. Oh, there you go. Hey, look out. So so what do you see for ACAR ahead in the years to come um, as, as you take out your magic wand and, and now you have a crystal ball? So what do you see coming for, for ACAR in the years to come? How are, how are we going to change and shift? Well, I think for one thing, we'll, I know that we'll continue to be a leader in the state and the nation. That was the primary driving force behind merging. We knew that separately, we were two really good boards, two two good associations, but we knew that together we could take it to the next level. And here we are eight and a half years later, and we're there. We're sort of at a crossroads, I feel like. Like we've, we've, we have done amazing as a car in our infancy, and now we're sort of crossing over. Um, and I think it's time. And I know that our leadership feels this. I know that Mike feels it, and hopefully, we can continue. They will continue the momentum and you know build capacity. So we mentioned ha- needing specialists on board as staff. And so, yes. you know, there are gaps. You know, DEI is super important to the association. You know, w- will we have a DEI specialist officer, you know, in the future? I think that that will be what will change and allow ACAR to continue to lead the state and nation. We're, we are already looked at as a leader. And so I think continuing to just... 
identify the gaps, um, fill those, build capacity, and make sure that we operate as that business that we've been established. That's that's what I see. I will just continue to be innovative. I think Mike is a great innovator. I I'm agree. really excited to see what he has to bring on board and, and just those kind of subtle changes. I, I think the other thing is we're going to continue to build these partnerships that we've started. We've got these great partnerships with the Realtists and Women's Council and LGBTQ Alliance. And I think we probably have just scratched the surface I agree. with how we can help one another and how we can grow stronger. So um, yeah, we always joke around and say, we want to be them when we grow up. And right. now people are going to be saying that about ACAR. <laughs> Which is that, and that's a tremendous compliment to everything that you've done in your entire career here and with ACAR. And that is, it's a tremendous compliment to the staff as well, because, Absolutely. you know, we feel really good about the fact that people are, you know, looking at us to, you know, for, for being a trendsetter, if you will. Yeah, um, it's definitely a team effort. And it, you know, when one of us shines the the whole entire association signs. And so that's exciting when yeah. we when we hear we're being held out as the example yeah. that, you know, we all do the happy dance. When Absolutely. Absolutely. So now I am, I don't want to get, I don't want you to, to be sad or upset <laughs> when I ask you this next question, because I have a feeling it's going to touch a few little, a little, a little, you know, wiggle in your throat. Maybe. <laughs> How would you like to be remembered by our members and by the staff? I think as a mentor, as someone loyal, um, I've always been proud of that when I, you know, every year I have a review, a performance review, sure. just like staff staff does. I have that with the executive committee. And I love when they say to me, you know, you bleed a car, you know, you are loyal to. So I, that's I'm very proud of the fact that that yeah, they see me as loyal and that I am seen as a mentor and an, and an empower is that a word? empower of staff and yes. leadership. And I would, I would have to agree with that as, as coming from staff perspective. Um, I think I can probably speak for everybody here in that you're, you're such a great leader for us and, and have been. And so, you know, we're going to be terribly sad to see you, to see you move on, even though we're happy for you that you're going <laughs> to move on to other fun things, but you know, it, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard adjustment. For it all is. Of us. It is. Um, so, so in that vein, when you, you know, are going to be heading out, what advice do you have for Mike Ballerino, the incoming CEO? All right, Mike, pay attention. <laughs> so for Mike, I'm going to say trust your gut because you have great instincts. Um, you are innovative. I've already mentioned that. And, and you're an inspiring leader. So just, you know, let don't be afraid to let that come out. Um, I'm going to give him advice that I, I received also when I was first named CEO. And that is to remember balance. We talked about especially it's going to be harder for him than it ever was for me. He's a dad. He's a husband. You know, he's he's during he's starting as the CEO during this 24 7 365 era. Yeah. Um, but you know, I was told keep that work life balance. You can be a great CEO and also honor, you know, your family commitments and all right. that. And I know he knows that, but you know, especially when you start out, you've got this, you know, you you want everyone to know you're in it, yeah. you know, all the way. And yep. so that I was given that advice and it I was so thankful to receive that. Um I 
also, I don't know if I've said this to him or not, but you know, he needs to find his Mike Valerino <laughs> because yep. I couldn't have done it without him. And so he'll find that. And it may not be one person. Like right. I was lucky enough to have a CEO, him as my CEO, but he might find a couple of Mike Valerinos, right. you know, maybe. Um, but he, he definitely will need partner executives here at ACAR. So sure. That's, sure. that's my advice for Mike. Oh my gosh. So I hope you were paying attention, Mike. So I know that you're very active with volunteering at Rotary and other organizations across the board. You do quite a bit of that. Do you plan to remain on that path going I forward? I do. I do. In fact, I was just, I, I still need to learn how to say no. I, I recently said yes to um, more responsibility at Rotary. So now I'm sure. a district chairman of their grants committee. And so that's pulled me um, into some leadership positions I've never been in in Rotary. And then I'm also, I'm still an officer for the Rotary Camp for Children with Special Needs. That's always going to be um, in my heart. And so now I feel like, you know, I'm not going to, I'm going to try not to say more or yes to more, but I'm definitely going to continue what I what I have already committed to for sure. Well, that's cool. And But you'll still have your, your own work-life balance too. <laughs> yes, I will. You'll be doing your commitments to Rotary, but you're also going to have some fun. So do you want to share with everybody what you're going to be doing in retirement and what's the first thing you have planned besides sleeping in the first Monday? <laughs> if I can, it'll probably take a while. <laughs> um, sure. So Jeff and I, about five years ago, it was our 25th wedding anniversary. We bought an RV and we just took to that life. We really, really like it. And so we've been going on our little two-week jaunts ever since we bought it. But um, soon after, like within two weeks wow. of my last day, we are going to set off on a seven-week voyage. <laughs> our seven-week trip, we're going to head out. We're going to visit friends in Texas, visit my sister in Arizona, friends in Colorado, sort of do this Western swoop. Um, and we didn't want to rush. We wanted to be able to take our time and see the United States. So yeah, that'll be seven weeks. Wow. That's fabulous. That's, that's a, what an incredible way to kick off this next chapter of your life to be able to just spend that time together and enjoy each other's company and, and see people that you haven't probably seen in a while yeah. and see parts of our country that you've never seen. So that's. And incredible. seeing it this way is just different than seeing it any other yeah. way. Oh, it's, heck yeah. And I want to give advice to some folks. So okay. since I've been RVing and of course, you know, I'm probably annoying on Facebook because I post all these pictures, but I cannot tell you, maybe hundreds of people have said to me, my husband and I or my wife and I have that dream when we retire. They yeah. always put that caveat in there when we retire. Well, we've done it five years, full time jobs, both of us. Right. Um, lucky enough to have the kind of tenure that gave me four weeks of vacation. Sure. But still, even if I didn't have that, you can be a weekend warrior. You can go. So don't wait. Don't make that be something that's contingent upon retirement because you can go and enjoy so much now. Why wait? Right. Absolutely. You're not wrong about that because, you know, before too long, you know, the, the, that time when that window of time is closed. Mm -hmm. So, well, I really appreciate you coming in and talking to me today. And before I wrap up, I am going to tell you that I appreciate everything that you've done for me in my career and, and bringing me here on board. And it has meant the world to me to be around you and Mike and everyone here. And had you not 
taken a chance on me, that wouldn't have happened. So I appreciate that. Well, thank you for making me emotional. (laughs) For those who don't know, I call Kelly our unicorn because when we put together her job description, my very good friend um, who works in communication, I showed it to her and she said, you're never going to find this person. And I said, why? And she said, that's a unicorn. It doesn't exist. (laughs) So you are welcome, Kelly, our unicorn. (laughs) I appreciate it. And I appreciate you sitting down with me today and going over all of these, my questions because I know that everybody wants to know and everybody's going to miss you so very much. Thank you. But you're still going to be around and you're going to pop your head in and see us every now and then. We'll do lunch or whatever. Absolutely. And and, um, so it's not like you're, you're, you know, dropping off the planet. You're still going to be in the neighborhood. Um, So for those of you uh, listening, uh, again, we normally finish with, with, you know, the home for all stuff. And, and, but I appreciate you tuning in today to listen to, give Sandy the the honor of of her last uh, podcast with us. So so sit back next time. We'll see you at the next episode. And uh, until then, I hope you're all finding your very own home for all.